And good morning, Mike Broomhead. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Let's hope the uh, the suns fare a little better. Yeah, you know, it's the first game I've been able to watch because it was on a Saturday night. I didn't have to be in bed yeah. by 7. I was very disappointed. <laughs> I, I was. Think, I think we all were. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, we'll see. We're just look on the bright side. Remember they were after game one against the Clippers. That's exactly how I'm thinking about good. it. Good. Yep. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um... We start today with the border issue because it's becoming worse and worse and worse, and the blame game continues. Here's the headline. Over 90% of Democrats and Republicans blame the federal government for the border crisis. A recent poll found that 90% of American voters, according to a Trafalgar Group of, of for Convention of the States Action Poll, 91.4% of Republicans say the Biden administration is at fault. Uh, in comparison, 82.9% of Democrats and 84.5% of independents agree the government is responsible. Um, I've never seen a poll like this. 87% of American public blames the federal government for the problem at the border. And it is the fault of the federal government. Now, is it the fault of Congress alone? That's what uh, Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas says. And I don't think replacing – Mayorkas is – I'm not giving him credit, but he is in a position where he was hired to do the bidding of the president. Uh, this is not – I'm not – um, telling you, um, this is not a big revelation here, but the president of the United States surrounds himself with people that are going to implement his policies. It's what a good CEO does. It's what a good head coach of a football team does. The head coach of a football team sets the standard. He may not be the defensive coordinator. He may not be the offensive coordinator, but it is his game plan. And he puts an offensive coordinator, coordinator a defensive coordinator, position coaches, he puts them in place because they are all focused on doing and going in the direction that the head coach wants. And the president does the same thing. That doesn't mean that they aren't fired at times because they are. But in the end, you're going to get someone that replaces that head or that coordinator that does has the same mindset or at least the vision that the head coach has. The president of the United States picks his cabinet positions and his leadership team of people that are like minded, that are going to implement his policies. I'm not saying that Mayorkas doesn't need to go. But if Mayorkas does go, do you believe you're going to get somebody in that position that's of a different mindset? Chances are probably not because the purpose, the person that would be chosen by the president is going to be someone of the same mindset. Um, I want you to hear a little bit of what's happening. Uh, Jim Ryan, ABC, talking about in El Paso about what is they're prepping to do for the expiration of Title 42. That policy, which quickly returned migrants to Mexico during the COVID-19 pandemic, expires at the end of the day on May 11th. El Paso's emergency declaration opens up shelters for the surge of migrants expected on May 12th. This is really temporary housing. El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser. We will make sure that all our asylum seekers are treated with dignity and respect. Title 42 is being replaced by the Title 8 immigration law, which is in some ways stricter. Anyone caught entering the country illegally could be expelled for five years. We are already seeing an increase of migrants at the border. Lori Lightfoot, the outgoing mayor of Chicago, is asking Texas not to send migrants to her city anymore. Um, this is this is getting to a point where all Americans in both parties are beginning to see this is a failure of our government. Does the Congress need to act? It absolutely does. What are the chances that it will? The mayor of El Paso is talking about the migrants and thoughts about the end of Title 42. We talked to some of these uh, asylum seekers. They're waiting for May 11th. 
11th. May 11th, they believe, will be the day that they become, without any documentation, they can come into the United States and continue to move on into their path into their, their next destination. And he believes that they are arriving here under false pretenses. They've come in really with a false pretense that there will be open borders starting on May 11th. And anyone that's already in the United States will no longer be required to have proper documentation. And that is an untrue statement. Okay, so this is now the end of Title 42 and how it's impacting other places. El Paso, obviously a border city. But what about New York City? What about Chicago? In New York City, Mayor Adams says the busing of migrants into the Big Apple has destroyed the city, taking direct aim at the Biden administration. We have not heard a real plan from the White House. We're getting ready to um, lift Title 42. A plan can't be, let's hope. (laughs) That's not a plan. In Chicago, officials fear the worst may be yet to come. With migrant facilities there at capacity, some families are now on the floor at local police stations. So this is becoming a bigger and bigger crisis. What will happen on May 11th? One of the other stories I have in this stack, and for the, you'll realize the purpose in a moment, is that the city of Phoenix is getting ready to close three trails very soon because of the hot weather during the hottest parts of the day. It protects people from themselves that are not experienced hikers. Now, there are many people that live here in the valley. You're, you're an experienced hiker. You know what you're doing. You know how to do it. Um, you can do it safely. You know how to hydrate. You're used to the extreme heat. Um, I, I was, this is I know, a dumb analogy. I was at an event, a, a wonderful event on Saturday night for the 100 Club of Arizona, and it was held up at the Mummy Mountain um, at the Camelback Inn. Uh, they have a little place up there, up near the top near Mummy Mountain, where it's just a barbecue center. It's just a cool outdoor venue. Well, it was very hot on Saturday until the sun went down. And you walk uphill if you're walking up to that event. You're not hiking, but you're walking uphill. And it was already hot. I was wearing a jacket and I thought this is, and I'm talking, I walked 500 yards maybe is where I had to walk up the hill. Um, My point is we understand in Arizona how dangerous, how treacherous it can be. But people that are not from here, they hear about it. They feel the heat, but they don't understand how quickly they can be overcome. And when you add strenuous activity into that, people are really out of their element and they end up becoming, it becomes a life-threatening situation very, very quickly. We see the same thing happening at the border. People that are ill-prepared, they're being told it takes a day to cross. They bring maybe a gallon or two jugs of water that they can carry. They waste that in a day. Then they are dehydrated. They're lost and they are caught in the middle of nowhere. And we shut down trails because it protects people from themselves. But what it also does is protect first responders. We had John Maudlin in the studio with us uh, along with Gary Restaino. Gary Restaino is the U.S. Attorney's Office. John Maudlin is the head of patrol for Border Patrol. We had them talking about the, the issues there. And Mr. Maudlin told us in the interview that in a seven-day period, there were – this is the Tucson sector of the border – 500 rescues. 500 rescues in a seven-day period. So I don't know how many people that is. I mean, it could have been because some of them were multiple people. But on top of that, you're putting first responders' lives at risk by sending them into this situation. Sometimes they got to climb in. Sometimes they got to fly in and be brought you know, in by helicopter and litters. And either way, we are endangering the men and women in those uniforms, as prepared as they can be for that job, it's not going to get easier. It's going to be 115, 118, 120 degrees in the desert, and you are still a human being exposed to those elements. 
My point is, if we have local laws that protect lo- local first responders and public safety officials, why can't we have those at a federal level? I know that sounds silly. Maybe local towns can enact these laws where they're able to take people into custody. But the problem is we are going to see systems overwhelmed. Yuma, Nogales. Everywhere in between, you are going to see systems overwhelmed. You're going to see medical centers being overwhelmed. You're going to see clinics, food banks, uh, shelters will be overwhelmed. And that we are hearing nothing from the White House but rhetoric. And so and – and we can't let Congress off the hook. <clears throat> if there's one thing that we should be looking for – If you were a member of Congress, what you should be looking for is any place that you can agree. If there's one place of agreement, because listen, Congress is immensely unpopular. If you look at the approval rating of Congress as a body, it is it's abysmal. It's near single digits most of the time. It's in the low teens. And the reason why is people don't think Congress is effective at much of anything. If you wanted to do something, why wouldn't you find the areas where you agree, which would be this border security issue? Now, it might be for two different reasons. On one side of the aisle, you may have people trying to protect public safety officers, Border Patrol, CBP, whatever it is. On the other side, it might be about protecting migrants. But either way, the border is becoming a very dangerous place just because of the heat. Forget everything else that's happening there for a moment. We'll talk drugs and everything else as the show goes on. But right now, human beings and the safety of human beings, if they can agree on this, why don't they do something about it? And the answer is because they can't work together. They refuse to work together. We should hold them accountable. We have got a mixed bag of congressional representation, of House representation in Arizona, from pretty far left to pretty far right and everything in the middle. But it's something that the Arizona delegation should get together with the Texas delegation, and they should lead the charge on this and say, we are the ones that are suffering like this the most. Why aren't we working together to solve the problem? Force the White House hand. And we are what we're looking at at the border is more and more issues. It is becoming more and more dangerous. We are already seeing a surge, and everybody is predicting a massive surge of human beings after May 11th. It's going to be blazing hot. It's going to be difficult for the agents to process people in. People are going to get sick. People are going to die. And we are sitting here arguing whose fault it is. We all know whose fault it is. But you and I, the voters, have to hold them accountable. This is one of those issues uh, that uh, when the American people are motivated to action, something might get done. If not, we're in big trouble. We are in big, big, big trouble. What we're going to do in a moment is we have a guest coming on from Helios Education Foundation. His name is Paul Luna, the president and CEO. Today, May 1st, is College Decision Day, Arizona Decision Day for colleges. We're going to talk about the importance of education from their perspective and where we see students headed for the next phase of their life. That conversation happens next. Open the morning and out to school. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, it's that time of year. We have young people graduating from high school choosing what they're going to do in the next phase of their life. Joining us right now is Paul Luna, President and CEO of Helios Education Foundation. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Good morning to you and your listeners. Thanks. Um, Let's talk about the significance of Decision Day. What is Decision Day and why is it so significant? 
Well, thank you for the opportunity to share this. Uh, uh, Decision Day, uh, May 1st of every year, has been the day where uh, nationally uh, uh, high school seniors will will begin to pick and identify what colleges and universities that they plan to attend uh, after they graduate from high school. Um, and in Arizona, we call it Arizona Decision Day because we want to celebrate and recognize these high school seniors who, who are doing their part academically and educationally to to move themselves forward, to to graduate from high school, and to begin to identify where they want to continue their education journey beyond high school. And that's why we call it Arizona Decision Day. We want to celebrate these seniors. Uh, And if I could, it's much like we we always would recognize a student athlete who might uh, be identifying what what college university they're going to go continue to play their sports, and they would put on that cap. Well, we want every high school senior who's making that decision to, to feel the support of our community and our state for that decision that they're making. When you look at the decision-making process for students, um, a lot has been made over the last few years, especially in the last few years, of the accelerated tuition rate. Are tuition, is tuition expense and student debt um, changing some decisions for young people? I think it's definitely fair to to acknowledge that it's a factor. Of course it is. Um, uh, You know, college and university, post-secondary education is when a student starts to move out of uh, oftentimes free education offered by by our state. And and now there's a cost involved. And and like with many things, you know, costs are increasing over time. Uh, I think what we try to do is make sure that our, our students and their families have all the information available to them, that they're accessing all of the resources that are available so that we can make a, a cost, we can we can minimize that as an issue or a concern or a barrier, a barrier uh, to, to continuing education beyond high school to the extent possible. Um, it's why we, we advocate so strongly as a state for students to fill out the, the federal financial aid form, the FAFSA form, so that we can make sure that our students get eligible and qualify and receive all of the federal student aid that might help reduce that cost of education after high school. Um, and it's an area where I know that we there's a number of us working on that. It's an area that we can improve, but there's a lot of great opportunity. Um, and there's other ways that we can try to reduce the cost of education beyond high school so that we can ensure that it's affordable for all students. Reading through some of the talking points from your organization, it says people who earn a two or a four your degree or professional certificate after high school have more opportunities to do better overall than those who don't. Let's talk just for a moment about that professional certificate part of that. Um, Is there a focus or is there a shift in focus possibly for some students at a younger age in high school to look at that as a possibility? And is that something that's growing in popularity? I I think it's fair to say what we want to make sure is that our students, and as you indicated, uh, as early as possible or earlier in high school, even in middle school years, we want to make sure that our students understand all of the different pathways to to career success that they might be interested in pursuing. Uh, And as you pointed out, there there are multiple pathways. Yes, our organization focuses and champions uh, the importance of a two-year degree and a four-year degree. And the research that we have done uh, called Billions to Gain, we've done this research recently in partnership with Education Forward Arizona, it really kind of defines very clearly what an an individual uh, can expect to earn in terms of increased uh, 
lifetime earnings and and the uh, contributions that they can make to our economy, it increases significantly as you as you move beyond high school and you earn different levels of education credentials. But that's not in any way to minimize the importance of certificate programs and license mm. programs and many career pathways that might be available to a student given their specific needs and circumstances and interests. How does your organization aid in that with with people with with you know families? We, we think it's two ways. One, it's information, and it's why we so appreciate the opportunity to talk about these types of, of, of uh, really important information to share for students and families. It's making sure that the students and families understand what those pathways look like and what the opportunities might be there um, and, and what they lead to in terms of, as you said, increased opportunities, uh, but not just now, but, but in the future uh, that an individual might pursue a, as a career endeavor. What we try to focus on from a Helios perspective is ensuring that we're providing our students all of the preparedness that they need so that they can embrace those multiple pathways. Mm. We want to support a student that goes into maybe a, a, a license or certificate program that might lead to a job in the near term, but we want to make sure that those students today and as they graduate from high school, they have the academic credentials so that at some point in time where they might want to go back and pursue additional degree completion, whether it's a two-year or four-year, we want to make sure that they have all of that in place as well so that they have those options in the future. All of these experiences, all of these programs can can be built upon each other to lead to continued education success. And what we also know is, is this is what will drive our economy of our state in the future. You know, ensuring that we have that educated workforce will be uh, what really attracts the types of industries and jobs that we want to have in our state. And more and more of the jobs of the future will require some type of post-secondary education. But again, that's in the broadest sense, the licenses, the certificates two-year, four-year degrees, all are valuable, all are what we need our students to be pursuing based on their interests and their desires. Well, I, I love the important work that you're doing. If people want to find your organization, how can they find you? They can find us at Helios.org. You can see a lot of our research there, so you can see why we so strongly believe in the value of education beyond high school, why we think college is worth it. And again, college is that broad pathway of, of student success. Again, Helios.org uh, and our partners like Education Forward and others are with us in this in partnership and collaboration to help students and families understand how to best navigate uh, their education, continuing their education beyond high school and, and position themselves for lifelong success. Well, I appreciate the conversation this morning. I look forward to talking to you again. I would love that. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, that's Paul Luno, President and CEO of Helios Education Foundation. We've got the BQ poll question of the day coming up in just a moment. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right, it's time for the BQ poll question. In for Gatos is Steve Zinsmeister. What's up, Steve? Mike, I am so hot. And of course, I'm talking about the weather, not yeah. speaking about myself glowingly, uh, which leads me to the Gatos Big Q poll question. It's brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Phoenix reached 100 degrees for the first time in 2023 on Sunday. What's the worst part about the heat? I gave you three options. One, air conditioning bills are going to go up. Number two, I'm always sweating. And number three, I can't touch anything metal. I'm going with number one. 
Yeah, it's got to be the Bills, man. It's they're going to the go Bills. up. You know they're going to go up. I, I will say, though, I'm sweating through shirts like crazy. I'm sure you're the same way. I am. I am definitely the same way. Well, listen, we'll talk tomorrow. I'm looking forward to you being back. So thanks for taking care of business. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. That's the Big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.